0: The key to health and happiness is the quality of your relationships.
1: Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have awesome guests to share with you today. I did say guests. We got a great team here. Lauren Reitzma serves on the executive leadership team at the Center for Relationship Education. She is the author of In Their Shoes, well-known everywhere for her keynote presentations to youth, adults, and corporate teams. The center was founded by Janine McKenzie, registered nurse and former first lieutenant in the US Air Force Nurse Corps. She founded CRE, which has certified more than 15,000 educators in real essentials relationship skills criteria. And she participates in national public health standards policy, which is really a big deal. They both live in Colorado. We're going to hear so much more about them and so many important things about relationships, including their new book. Lauren and Janine, welcome to the Daily Helping. It is awesome to have you with us here today.
2: Thank you for Thank having you. us. Thank you.
1: Yeah, this is going to be great. You know, I, I was saying off air, we haven't done a ton of episodes. About relationships, and I am familiar with what you guys have done and the approach you've taken to it. So I'm really excited to share that with everybody listening to this. But what I want to do is before we even get there, I want to kind of peel back the layers of the onion, and and I'd love for you to talk to us about what puts you guys on the path you're on today, helping so many people with relationship skills. Well.
0: I'll I'll start. I I just can say that I was really shocked to learn that there was relationship research, that there was a body of literature about how relationships work, what makes them work, what makes them fail. And I wish I would have had that information because I was in a 20-year marriage with having four incredible kids and our marriage ended. And I truly believe with all my heart that if i would have had the skills to do life and love well with relationship skills i would not be in that position and uh, having a grenade blow up our family and lauren my daughter who is on this call with me suffered a great deal as it did the rest of the kids but she turned her lemons into lemonade and here we are
2: i'll pick up where i was leaving for college right after the divorce and. People always say what do you want to be when you grow up and what do you want to study and i had a serendipitous entry into an interpersonal communications class my freshman year that was just one of those you have to take a elective and i was lit up by all of the things our professors were saying and realized that my one life goal and dream was not going to be in what i was going to do with my life but how i was going to change a legacy for relational health and uh, create something that at the time i didn't realize was going to be for the general public but that was selfish to start i just wanted to do my marriage well and parenting well and friendship well and all of that which and we we did that you know we had a great legacy growing up but it was just that idea of what happened and what patterns could we maybe improve and i was so delighted like my mom just mentioned that there are tools and skills to actually do that with some success rate behind it. So it, it's kind of fun how our own personal journey led us to help
1: others. And and I love that. And that is a theme that resonates with so many people who come on this show. But what's interesting is you didn't just do something about it in, in the sense of helping yourselves. The creation of an institution that literally is helping thousands of people everywhere. Did you guys see that? Is a realistic possibility? Did it? How did that happen? Because that's so profound.
0: Well, actually, it, it was it was really kind of a trajectory that just I I didn't create it. I just followed it. What happened was when I learned about this relationship research and all of the uh, incredible professors and and PhDs who were studying this. I wanted my children to have this. And so I was uh, very involved in the schools um, and I asked, I put some uh, activities together that would teach a skill because I wanted to be interactive and visual because that's how I learn. And I, I was PTA president in my community and my uh, the teachers let me come and teach the things that I created. And the kids wanted more, the adults wanted more, the teachers wanted more. The parents loved it. The Denver Post came in and did a cover story on it. And within a year, I was in 40 schools. And I was wearing myself out. I was, I was going to so many schools. I was doing so many copies. I was, and I realized I hit a nerve. And I thought, I need to call in the experts here. I'm a nurse. I'm not an educator. So I called in child pedagogy specialists, how kids learn brain neuros, neuroscientists, graphic artists, and this curriculum was created.
1: I love this. And, and now, as I said in the, in the intro, I mean, you're, you're helping thousands of people everywhere, transforming their relationships. And so uh, the question is, you just released this book, Relationship Essentials, and we're going to talk about that, of course. Why now? Why the book now? What What was the impetus for bringing this out?
2: So I had the opportunity after a speaking engagement about blending a family post-divorce, where I was encouraged to write my story down for what became In Their Shoes, which was the first publication that I published in 2018. And I had never set out to be an author or to think that our story was worth <laughs> writing down and, and sharing with the world. But when that Opportunity gelled, and we realized, man, there there are a lot of people who are in the same boat but don't have the words to describe it. We had another opportunity with a publishing company really wanting something post the COVID area era. Honestly, that would help people reconnect after being disconnected and isolated uh, forcefully by a global pandemic. And I think that we all can say that. COVID revealed some things in us in, in the human spirit that we still need people in three dimension even though we have all the virtual conduits and the wonderful technology to connect us people really just de- des- desire that interpersonal connection and so our my publisher called and said do you have anything we we, we really we love this idea about this, maybe niche market with a blended family, but do you, do you have anything for just the human condition with relationships? And I said, well, let me tell you what we do professionally and started sharing a little bit about the skills based curriculum model. And that was where they actually encouraged. Yes, do that. That's what people need is tools and skills. So I'm a metaphorical thinker. I love if you ask any of my friends, my family members, I I tell stories in metaphor. And so when I thought of the tools, I put them down on paper. I immediately called my mom and said, Hey, would you like to do this together? And it was a emphatic yes. And we got to work and it really became an extension of what we do day in and day out, but in a more palatable uh, resource rather than a curriculum that certification is required. So it, it just was a really fun springboard to what we already do, but in a season where the heart was saying, I, I want to reconnect, but I don't know how.
1: I love this. So you know, you went from writing about your experience in a blended family to now all of a sudden COVID has pushed you guys into the direction of taking your expertise and bundling it in a book. And this is a book about relationships for everybody, romantic relationships, friendships, mom and dads, kids and kids and parents, everything, right?
2: Coworkers, all of it. All of it is in there.
1: I love this. So Take us through. let's let's dive into the book. I've got my hands on it. I want to ask some some questions. There's something that stood out to me. You guys talk about the three C's, and I, I love I love acronyms, and let let's jump in. So tell us about the three c's of communication and and why that's foundational
2: so that that chapter opened it up, and it all started with the whole idea of just talk about it. You just need to talk, just talk. That's the best relationship advice that people typically give.
1: <laughs> okay. So, so <laughs> the interview's over. We just, just, just talk to each just other. Talk. Right?
2: <laughs> and when we, when we share that and we're in a workshop or we're on, on a stage and people say, what's the best relationship advice that you've heard? A lot of people say you need to communicate better. You need to just talk. But the reality is just talking just isn't enough because communication is some of the most complex and layered, uh, experiences in, in the human life. And yet it's, I I had four years getting a degree in it and I still have a ton to learn. And I definitely didn't even realize what I was learning until I was put into that pathway. And so the three th- the three C's, excuse me, are a helpful way to remember the content, which is the message you want to get across, what you're actually saying, the words that you use, the context, which is the setting that you're in and whether or not that's gonna be a technological uh, pathway, whether a text message or uh, an email or a face-to-face conversation, there's a lot of different contexts in which happen, uh, in, in which communication happens. And then finally, did it connect? Did it connect with the audience? And if you, the intended purpose of communication is to make that connection. And if you don't have a message content that goes through a contextual channel, with verified connection, then you haven't communicated. And so it's kind of a three, three point check system to say, did I really communicate? Because as Italians, I got that wonderful heritage from my beautiful mom here on, on this call. And we learned that if you're not talking over each other or interrupting or using more words than, than the person at the table, then you're a poor communicator. And that's actually not a healthy pattern. It's more of the listening, the engaging, connection and making sure that you're crafting your message in a way that's relevant for the attended receiver and that you validate the setting isn't uh, burdened with noise and distractions because oftentimes connecting with those three C's can actually give you a little scorecard on whether or not you communicated fully.
1: Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you. And I can't wait to see where you'll go. I want to kind of take a bit of a deeper dive into that because, you know, this is and take us through this in, in different examples, if you can, because communicating with Somebody that you're in a romantic relationship with is wildly different than a coworker or a friend or a child. So, walk us through examples of where each of these three C's directly come into play, if you could.
2: Let's let's go with a coworker example and not the romantic partnership, because I think oftentimes that's where sometimes relationship skills get lost is that that they're not just for that person you have butterflies for, and so if for example, you leave a staff meeting and something really rubbed you the wrong way based on what your boss was saying, or maybe it's a a benchmarks conversation or a mid-year review. And all that you have to validate whether or not you're doing your job is a piece of paper (laughs) that has a, a number rating system that somehow creates a performance matrix that then leads to a year-end bonus, right? That, that is a typical communication exchange between boss and supervisor, or or, excuse me, boss and subordinate. And so often, if we could say, let's apply the three C's to your end end of the year review, we would look at the crafting the content, which is everything from verbally validating that employee from, for their performance, getting, getting feedback from customers or consumers, making sure that you potentially speak those out loud in person and also write them down on a piece of paper and also choose words and methodology that is going to mean something to that employee. Everyone's wired differently, everyone has different things that fire them up and motivate them. And if you can, as a boss, know what motivates your employees, the words that you use to validate them are going to make a difference in whether or not they stick around or, or you have turnover. So that's, that's the content there is don't just put it down in, in a number system, but figure out words and messaging that would motivate that person. Take context. So often we're measured in our performance just based on a matrix or data. And I love data, data lights me up, but, How is that data delivered? Is it an email? I remember I remember getting a performance review of one of my kiddos in one of their sports and it was on on paper emailed to me after we had invested three or four seasons of development and it almost it just almost hurt my heart because I thought are you not even going to say you're not going to tell us one thing I want to I want a parent teacher conference if you will about the development you're seeing in my my kiddo because this piece of paper is so meaningless and it actually leaves so much unsaid. And I have curiosities and questions and some of it's helpful and some of it's hurtful. And I just, I want to be sure that I have the right context to make sure that I understand the setting. So give context for give examples of what that person did on the job or who they impacted or how they impacted them. Uh, do a little due diligence and find a customer who raved about their performance, and bring that customer's voice into the conversation. Maybe have the customer call them. What a cool context that would be! And then finally, validate, check in, say, "Hey, are you are you hearing what I'm saying? In your own words, repeat back to me what you need to improve and what you're doing really well. And I want to, I want to just acknowledge that you have a voice in this conversation because our job and our collaboration as coworkers requires two sides. And you're part of this equation. You're a part of this relationship. It's not a top-down authoritative structure. If you took that hypothetical and replicated that pattern in our communication cycles, could you imagine the validation and the clarity that would come from that full circuit communication? And, and really all it is, is, do you have content context and connection with those
0: that you're trying to relate with?
1: I love this. And, and Janine, I want to roll the next question to you. Before, before
0: you, know, you do that, uh, Dr. Richard, I, w- I want to share a s- actual story of how sure. this works really quick with exactly what Lauren was saying with a coworker. Several years ago, we moved across the courtyard from a small space into a bigger space because we were growing like crazy. And we, we moved on a Tuesday and we had to, I knew there was a lot of things going on on a Wednesday. We had to have the. The, the phones up and the com- computers up. That's all I asked of my employees. Please don't worry about files. Don't worry about furniture. Just, I need the computers and the phones up because all of these things are happening. And so we're moving, you know, the chaos and moving. It's just, you know, so many people, there were so many moving parts. And I yelled across the room to one of my coworkers and, and he was, I yelled at him it was probably of an order that was little bossy and and he was kind of offended but he didn't say anything that day because he knows communication skills he knows the three Cs so a few days later when I was calmer when things were less chaotic he comes up to me and he says can we walk around the building and have a chat sure okay and we walked around the building and he put those three C's into action in a calm way and said, when you did this, when you yelled at me across the room in front of all my colleagues, I was embarrassed. And I felt really dismissed and put down. And instead of saying, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. No, I said, what I hear you saying is, I, in front of all your colleagues, I just blew it and I attacked your character. And he said, yes, that's that's correct. It took 15 minutes to go around the complex and walk around and with those three Cs and our relationship was restored. And, And so they really work. It's not just theoretical when you put them into action, I have story after story of how this works because he was able to be vulnerable and I was able to, to really reshift my thinking and apologize.
1: That's a great example. And, and I, and I want to keep it in the work world because we know that COVID has shifted a lot of things for people. And one of the things that has been a stressor for people that now work from a home environment is there's really no more boundaries, you know, the office is home. So if you get a work email at 945 at night, often organizations don't have these predefined set of work hours anymore. You're just, it's just kind of expected that you're going to answer it. And something in your book that really stuck out to me is interesting is you guys describe boundary setting as an act of kindness. And we love acts of kindness here on the Daily Helping. So explain that to us a little bit, because that's fascinating to me.
0: Uh. I'll take that because I I really, for a long time, had a hard time setting boundaries. I said yes to everything. I wanted to do everything. And and what that created in my mind and in my life was chaos and pressure. So when we say boundaries are kind, they're really kind because they're clear. and, And there's so much research on what boundaries do. And I'll give you one piece of literature that was fascinating when I learned about it. There was um, a school built in California many, many, many years ago, and some uh, graduate students from a university nearby wanted to see the young people uh, in the school play in the playground before the fence was put up, before the, the, the chain link fence was put up. So they asked the contractor to delay putting up the fence, and they watched the kids. They really observed with their you know, checklists and all kinds of uh, research tools. And they were watching how kids played. And they were shocked to see K through sixth grade, all the kids in this elementary school during recess were playing by the building. They were not going into the courtyard. They were not going all the way out into the field. They were playing by the building. And then they put the fence up. And those little ones were it had their faces in the fence and they were, they were way, way, way away from the school building. And what their conclusion was is the safety of when kids don't know where the boundaries are, they are, they are confused. They, in fact, even to the point of being afraid. And so when we say boundaries, if you think about physical boundaries, you, you know, you would never go on a deck on a four-story building without a boundary. You'd never go on that deck. You know, even if you stayed, you know, you knew you weren't going to fall. It's just this feeling of uneasiness. And when you know, when you say to your colleague, to your partner, to your family member, no, 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 this doesn't work for me. How about we do it this way? How about we set some boundaries around when we're going to start, when we're going to end, what we're going to do, who's going to be there, how we're going to interact, it's really kind, it's kind to the person who needs that. And it's kind to the receiver who says, I can do that. I can do that. It's kind because it's clear.
2: Yeah, we think boundaries often are labeled as restrictive, but we would demonstrate that it's just the opposite. Clear boundaries actually give you much more freedom, freedom to meet expectations, freedom to know what is expected of you, freedom to, spend money even boundaries financially right you have you have a lot more freedom in your finances when you stick to a budget and so we can apply those same principles to relationships and it's a little bit less chaotic and frustrating when you know this is that person's line and i know how to respect it but oftentimes we're fearful of drawing the line because we're interpreted as mean-spirited or rigid but actually the people that i know that are the closest to me. And the ones that actually have the most time for me are the ones that set clear and, and strict boundaries in their lives and their relationships.
1: This is really cool. And there was something else in your book that was intriguing to me. You get, kind of have these, these terms and statements that are interesting. You talk about a relationship expectation hangover, which I've never heard anybody put this in that, that context. Talk to us about. What that is, first of all, and then some strategies to avoid it.
2: It's interesting that we use the word hangover there because we're I'm I'm not somebody who likes to feel that way. (laughs) I don't (laughs) I don't overindulge. I have have really good boundaries with alcohol. Let's just say that. But when it comes to overindulging in anything or setting something too high, taking too much on, what ends up happening is in the in the moment you're empowered, but in the next minute you're actually feeling quite overwhelmed and sick and you can't even function and so oftentimes this put your mind to anything you can do anything you want shoot for the stars i love that mentality i i was raised with with that and i it got me to where i was right now and i have that same philosophy with my kids expect big things and dream big but there is there is a limit in what you can expect because if you're expecting things that are impossible over and over and over again you're you're gonna try and cope with not being able to achieve that expectation with negative patterns or unhealthy things and so the idea of setting expectations that you can actually manage and keep and exceed uh, and meet rather than putting yourself in situations where that gap is so big that you can't get a grip on society. You can't get a grip on on what you're, what's really real. And then you start to cycle in these ebbs and flows of really, really high experiences and, and deep lows. And so we find that to avoid that ebb and flow, that polarization of today was perfect and tomorrow's horrible and all this, that you can start to mitigate that hangover by creating expectations that are more attainable and more uh relevant and also that are met more often
1: so is this kind of like the dating of somebody and you you kind of have this idealized version of them and they don't really work out that way and then you're like oh well I'm dating this person who's not really x is that what we're talking about here
0: yeah, I think that, that that's part of it. Part of it is, I'll, I'll give you an example, we're coming into the holiday season. And that what we know from the, the research of mental health issues after the holiday season is we see a lot of depression. We see a lot of uh, people really going downhill in January and February. It could be because of the weather, it could be because of the weather, and light issues, but it happens in places that is, are constantly sunny and warm, too. So one of the things is, uh, and and people have studied this, is the expectations of the holidays was were not met. And they thought their holiday should be like some Hallmark Channel TV show or something on Facebook. Nobody puts anything on Facebook that's negative, hardly ever. Nobody says, I was up all night, you know, throwing up. Nobody does that. People only put the good things on Facebook or on social media, and and we have a whole generation of people who think my life should be that way. That's not real. That's not real, and their expectations get dashed, and that's the hangover I think Lauren's talking about. And 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 even in dating, when you talk about dating, you know, and I'm I'm now married uh, to another uh, to a, to a wonderful man many years after my divorce, and. When we were dating, knowing this research, knowing about expectations, we had kind of a dating journal. What do you expect when this happens? Blending a family, you know, it's a lot of moving parts. It's a lot more complex than, you know, getting married without having any kids and then building a life together. We wrote down our expectations. And when things go south in our relationship, we go back to that let's get back to our expectations it really gives us a a place to start talking about the hangover okay this is not happening let's let's figure this out let's go remember you said this remember you said this we wrote it down it, it and it and it's really a wonderful tool to get back to where you need to be
1: i love this and the fact that the book is laid out in such a way that it's really a step-by-step way of taking people through relationships is really cool. I know we didn't, of course, have time to get into all of the chapters and all the tools, but it is outstanding. And, and it's it's one of those things as well where it's digestible. So I there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of stuff that I've seen that's pretty, pretty fluffy, that doesn't have a lot of substance, uh, or it's overly technical. And you guys seem to have Hit a sweet spot here, which I, I really love. So, I'm going to encourage everybody to to check it out. Tell us where they can get their hands on this book, which is now available everywhere today.
2: It is. It's uh, got. You can search "Relationship Essentials" on Amazon. It's at Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Target, all the places that sell things like books online. You sh- you should be able to find it. And you can also connect with us directly if you wanted to talk to us and. Maybe even we'll send you a signed copy uh, <laughs> at our website, which is myrelationshipcenter.org. Once again, myrelationshipcenter.org. And our contact information is right there on the staff page.
1: Outstanding. And you know, we are at the end. Time has flown by. I'm so grateful you both took time out of your day to be with me to, to with me here to talk about. The very important work you're doing. As you know, I like to wrap up my show by asking my guests a single question. So you can both take a shot at this. What is your biggest helping? And that is the one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today?
0: Well, I'll start. And I this is a little serendipitous because recently I just found out about this or, uh, Harvard Human Flourishing Study And I love the the whole Harvard Human Development College. They actually have a wonderful study that has been going on for 75 years about what is the key to health and happiness. What is the key? What is the one thing that we need to focus on for health and happiness? They they, uh, actually... Followed people for seventy-five years. They started when they when these people were teenagers, and they interviewed their bosses, their their spouses, their family members. They got their medical records. They went through all this of uh, focus groups, every kind of thing that you can do in a study, and they came, the conclusion was the key to health and happiness is the quality of your relationships.
1: Love that. And Lauren, what about you?
2: And for me, when you talk about what helps i i think you know writing this book is always vulnerable because when you're putting yourself out as a relationship expert sometimes your own relationships (laughs) feel like oh my gosh everything is is thrown into chaos and i feel like what's so helpful about that experience for me and i want to share that with others is that we're all in this together and that every one of us every human being has seasons of relationships that are fantastic and you've got butterflies and starry eyes and and grace and gratitude and patience for all and the very next minute i grew up playing golf it's like you have a great tee shot and then the next shot you're in the rough or the sand trap and you're thinking how did i get here and just like a home maintenance project or a car if you have the right tools when something goes south you just go and you use the tool and you fix it but nothing is going to happen magically without getting your hands on those tools and and so I just want to humanize our experience and say that we, we actually practice every chapter that's in this book and put ourselves uh, to account so that we can demonstrate the authenticity of relationship connection because the reason we need skills is because relationships can be challenging and because of what my mom just said, they're the most important. So let's put those things together and offer help instead of hurting each other so often.
1: I love that. So well said. So grateful for both of you coming on the show today. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for being on The Daily Helping. Thank We're you. We're so
2: grateful. Thank you for your time.
1: Absolutely. And I also want to thank each and every one of you who took time out of your day to listen to this conversation. If you like what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today Do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping, because the happiest people are those that help others.